Okay, we're going to begin this story. This is take two of uh, a story from 1958. It's a Rum Life book one, but it's not in there because I've just written it. It's called Incident with RMS Queen Mary in the Solent. I've told this tale many times, but never put it down in words before in all these years. Perhaps it's the embarrassment, perhaps something else. Whatever, here it is. During my time at Boston Grammar School between 1955 to 1960, I was a keen member of the school combined cadet force. Membership was not compulsory, but, but once of an eligible age, all who wished had to join the army section in the beginning. One year in the army section, then once basic training was completed, members could choose to join either the Royal Navy section, the Royal Air Force section, or remain in the army section for the rest of their time at school. The Royal Navy section was popular, as we had boats of a sort and regular outings were organised. To me, apart from the fact that I was always boat mad, the Royal Navy section just looked better than the others. All the CCF sections were issued the standard military uniform to their members and when you left it had to be returned. The uniform was basic standard issue from the 1940s. It also included Blanco belts and gaiters for parade. We also had our own rifle, a World War II Enfield, and did it weigh some. These arms, that is the guns, were kept in the CCF building and you drew your rifle from the secure stores when going on parade or out to a shooting range away from home. One perk of the CCF was free rifle shooting practice every Thursday evening at the rifle range alongside the drill hall in Main Ridge, centre Boston, centre of Boston town. Life in the army section for that first year was hard. <laughs> hard for me, anyway, at my age. All done after school, the NCOs were all students like ourselves, but older. They took the part of sticklers for everything being done just right, exactly, exactly as it was expected from their real contemporaries in the full-time armed forces. Ah yes, a note here worth mentioning, National Service ended later in 1960, two years later, so I just missed that. Our Royal Navy issue uniform included the blue collar with all the bits and pieces. The tight one-piece top, which for me, being a bit on the tubby side at the time, had to be pulled on with the aid of two mates. Under this was the white square net singlet, with the blue around the neckline. The collars were of course the trousers were of course bell bottomed with double sided button flap fastening at the front. We had military style boots issued from the very beginning, and they needed bulling regularly to keep their mirror shine. Spike Jones was our CO at the Boston Grammar School. He was one of the teachers, and a live wire. Yes, looking back, that's a good description. He always seemed to do everything at the double. For those not aware of the phrase, it means quickly or double speed faster than normal. Hence, his racing bike with drop handlebars. We had regular official outings. One example. For the day, we once went to Tower Pier, 
on the Thames at London, arriving from Boston, Lincolnshire, at some unearthly hour. It must have been by bus. And embarked on a Royal Navy frigate for Sheerness. This trip was brilliant, as during the short voyage we were all shown the workings of the pressurised boilers driving the steam turbine engines. We actually went into the boiler stoking areas through actual airlocks and were introduced and instructed in the workings of the whole propulsion system. All in all, a very educational day. What time we get ho- got home I cannot remember, only that after we were dropped off at Sheerness by motor pinnace from the ship which was still under way, it seemed like the end of the world. The trip I'm working up to was four days on HMS Vanguard in Portsmouth Harbour. We arrived by train one evening and were shown our mess accommodation and where we would eat. We were issued with hammocks, which had to be strung on ceiling hooks in our mess. All instructions were available in our standard issue of the regulation Manual of Seamanship. It was very much assumed by this time that we were all up to the mark with the information therein. A petty officer stationed on the ship was in charge of our group. We only saw Spike Jones on official outings later. Our duties had been explained regarding mess responsibilities, cleaning etc, which all had to be completed daily by certain times. We had heads allocated to our group or mess while on board. This had to be kept spotless too. The ship was run on a loudspeaker system which made announcements at regular intervals. Up spirits did not apply to us as we were all underage although we did witness the ceremony each of our days on board. I should mention here that the ship was only run by a skeleton crew, although it was still in commission. It was big, very big, with countless numbers of decks below, and we were warned not to go far away from our own mess, as it was easy to get lost. We had tours of the battleship, including the navigation bridge and the open-air bridge above. All the instruments were cocooned to prevent deterioration from the elements. Sessions were organised for training and examinations on learning afterwards. It was expected that cadets would endeavour to gain badges of rank and promotion through regular courses and examinations on outings such as this. I did eventually attain the rank of leading seaman, for which I had to learn exactly the same and pass the same examinations as a rating in the Navy itself. Then there was the trip on the MFV, motor fishing vessel, out into the Solent to learn helm and telegraph orders. The Solent is that piece of sea between the mainland and the Isle of Wight. It extends virtually just around the corner from Portsmouth Harbour and on past the entrance to Southampton Water. The skipper of our vessel took us well into the Solent, so we were away from the main shipping routes. We all took a turn at the helm as coxswain and spent time in the forecastle being quizzed by a petty officer on all that we had been learning on our time on HMS Vanguard. It was during my turn at the helm that I earned a black mark. It was more like a clip round the ear as I was dragged off the wheel by the skipper as I had ventured off course. 
we'd found RMS, that's Royal Mail Ship Queen Mary, this is Queen Mary 1 of course, at anchor in the Solent, waiting for higher water to get into Southampton Ocean Terminal. Not far off was a very large tanker, being lightened by smaller tankers alongside. There was a deal of sand around here in shifting banks, and it looked like the tanker was on one. <laughs> Just as we completed the circle of the Queen Mary, and I was at the helm, I'd glanced in the wrong direction and taken a navigation buoy on the wrong side. By this time in our careers as cadets, we had to be proficient in navigation buoys and their meanings, etc. It was not good enough to just pass a boy on the wrong side. The consequences could be dire, especially in the Royal Navy. Ships' captains in the Royal Navy, no matter how lowly, were very much in trouble if they allowed their ship to take the ground. I was hauled off the wheel rapidly with a lot of strong language and sent back down to the forecastle to continue being quizzed, especially on boys. The lesson I learned was once at the helm, do not take your eyes off the course or road, no matter how interesting other things are around you. I was not allowed on the helm again on that trip. But it was a lesson well learned and put into practice in all our future family sailing and powercraft to come. Well, all but one. But that will have to be another tale. There we are. Hope you enjoyed the little story brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. We hope you enjoyed listening to that story brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. Now, if you would like to look at any other publications that Cracker Books produce, then you can find the links on our website. Now, we've got a new website now. It's called www.crackerbooks.fr. Now, that's really easy to remember, isn't it? And on there, you can find links to over 200 uh, videos, uh, over 200 audio stories and 10 complete books. You can download any of these or all of them to any device of your choice free of charge. You might have to copy and paste some of the links get them to work on your browser, but the links are all there, the information is all there, and there's hours of entertainment. So we do hope you have a look at www.crackerbooks.fr and thank you for being with us. <laughs>